TypeScript isn't always going to solve all of your problems, right? I'm a merge conflict queen. I don't know if I should be proud of that, but I am. How can I make the most amount of functionality happen with the least amount of code humanly possible? And I feel like that's exactly what they do. I remember looking for a job. I was applying and getting a lot of rejections. And I made a post on Twitter. You know, why is why is no one hiring me? What's going on here? And Danny responded. I'm today's special guest host, Shane Walker, and this is Commit Your Code, a show about software development, technology, and the developers that use it. Your host is Danny Thompson. Today, we have an adaptable TypeScript developer, a deep diving React developer, and a puzzling front-end developer talking about migrating JavaScript applications to TypeScript. Later on, we'll be joined by Kyla Gregory. She went from teaching to becoming a software developer. Thank you so much for being here. This is Commit Your Code. I am Danny Thompson, and I'm so excited for y'all to be here today. Today, I'm joined with Austin Aker. He is a software engineer who is a community builder and a huge open source advocate. He's built communities in the Dallas, Texas area, and he's still active with community building to this day. Austin, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Well, Austin, why don't you introduce yourself for people at home? Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is, again, Austin Akers. I'm currently a senior software engineer at Spring Health. Outside of work, when I'm not spending time with my amazing wife, I enjoy being, you know, just contributing and just being a part of the local community. Uh, fun fact, I am a break dancer. I play cello and I also enjoy uh, Muay Thai. So, yeah. Hey, we can talk about the Muay Thai thing later, but you know, hey, it's a little. I, I'm I do a little something, something. Hey, you like, know, I also love Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Okay, you know, like Brazilian yeah, Jiu Jitsu yeah, is pretty. Yeah. I saw. I haven't seen. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do Muay Thai three days a week, and I do Jiu Jitsu three days a week. So, oh, nice, uh, it's, nice. It's been nice. my thing. Hey, Shane, why don't you introduce yourself for those at home? Yeah, absolutely. My name's Shane. Shane Walker. I'm a self-taught software engineer. I'm currently out of Chicago. Uh, yeah. Fun fact about me is I I know sign language. Uh, my daughter was born deaf, so had to learn sign language. But yeah, I, I enjoy spending time with my family and wrangling some code. Hey, that's an amazing skill to have. So today's big subject is migrating JavaScript applications to TypeScript. And when I approached you about the subject and we talked about it, I was like, this is a really interesting topic. I've been through this migration myself, and I yeah. thought this could be really like interesting to talk about from not just the technical aspects, but what the business commitments can even be to something like this. So I guess we can kind of jump into yeah. this. And so the first question I think that everybody would wonder and ask about is what are some of the benefits of shifting from JavaScript applications to TypeScript to where the business actually saw the benefit in migrating? It's, it's not an easy shift. It takes quite a commitment, especially when you're talking about refactoring old code and the legacy code in the code base. So what, what are some of the benefits that make someone actually want to go through that process? Well, um, you know, I'll even just start from the technical side, and then we can go over to the business side, right? Uh, well, uh, again, like when I joined Spring Health, I joined in the middle of the process of actually a TypeScript migration, which has been very fun and very interesting, right? Because it comes with its own uh, levels of complexity and uh, all, you know, and just, you know, in resource allocation like with it, right? So um, one of the benefits from a technical side, right? Going from JavaScript to TypeScript, a lot of people say this, we talk about type safety, right? And I think that's, yes, that's very, very important, but also one thing that has been very beneficial, at least for me, right? Uh, when I've gotten ramped up in even just TypeScript code bases versus JavaScript code bases is actually, my ramp up time actually tends to be a lot quicker because as I'm looking through the code base, it's much easier to understand what types, what interfaces are 
you know, are being implemented or you being used within like certain components or certain like, you know, uh, certain utility functions and whatnot. And so from a technical perspective, developer ramp up, uh, in my opinion, what, what I've seen and what I've experienced has been substantially higher for me in TypeScript code bases versus JavaScript code bases. Now, um, in terms of the benefits on the business side, right? One thing that I can personally say, I can tell you from a developer, I've been able to deliver features much quicker, right? Um, and much less error prone in terms of areas that I may have, um, I'd say like, you know, possible problems with, right? In regards to just JavaScript. I don't get me wrong, I can deliver JavaScript applications really fast, but once you start building things at scale, right? It becomes very difficult to uh, understand in some situations what's, you know, what's going on in the code base, right? And so being able to, I guess, eliminate one barrier of, uh, of like not really knowing, like, let's say again, from types or, or anything like that, like, oh, what properties are, should be passed into this component, into this component. Um, like it just, again, TypeScript just makes it that much easier, uh, in my opinion. And, um, yeah. And also is even from an, I was going to sort of go off here, but even from an open source perspective, right? Looking at open source libraries, even frameworks, it has made it much easier for me to uh, figure out ways to contribute and navigate those code bases as well. So, you yeah. know, that's something that I was very vocal about. So the company that I'm with now, AutoZone, uh, we use TypeScript. And when I jumped mm -hmm. into the code base for the first time, I yeah. felt like I grasped a lot of that code base significantly faster. And I was able mm -hmm. to start navigating my way around that code base a little bit easier mm -hmm. because of those types. It, it made it very easy to read, very easy to grasp. But I felt that I had a lot more knowledge very early on, or at right. least when I was attempting to add features and work on tickets. Mm -hmm. Cause you know, when you first join a team, a lot of those tickets are very simple once to kind of get you acclimated yeah. with stuff. I yeah. felt like I was preventing myself from making very sizable or very foolish mistakes really early on because mm -hmm. I was understanding what was going in there early on. And so yeah. that type safety plays a big, big role into that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I completely, I wholeheartedly agree. So I remember at my last company that I was at, uh, Microsoft, like our entire code base is like a lot of, like the vast majority of it was like TypeScript. And I actually felt, although I was like in a very uncomfortable part of the code base, I was comfort comfortable in the sense of like being able to navigate that, right? And um, and just, you know, work around that as well. And so it's, yeah, it, it, was, it was really uh, it was really interesting, right? Despite being in a very, again, joining a company and being in a very unfamiliar code base, right? You know, what are those level, what are the areas of familiarity and consistency that you can sort of latch onto and then build out that knowledge pool? Like from so, yeah, the level yeah, and TypeScript really the level that. of confidence that it gives you is really unmatched. You know, you just have confidence mm -hmm. in the code that you write. Can you speak any to that? Yeah, I'd have to say in terms of you're right. Like in terms of a uh, you know TypeScript again with a lot of different languages. You know, if written properly, right, gives you a substantial amount of confidence in terms of like the code that you write. Now, don't get me wrong, like, yes, you still need to write things like, you know, your end-to-end -end test. You still need to write your, you know, you, you need to write, you know, test and everything like, like that, right? But TypeScript fundamentally has given me a level of, um, I'd say security in the sense in comparison to writing out components and then looking back at those, let's say very components or, you know, certain things as I, as I would, you know, using JavaScript. I just coming back to those much later on and like, okay, cool. Like I know how this works now. Granted, again, I always, I always love giving disclaimers. There are other things involved, right. From having very well-named components or well-named functions and whatnot. Um, but in terms of, again, like just being able to understand like the, the, the types and being able to easily, uh, 
you know, uh, like know what's exactly going on. Just TypeScript has made it much easier. Love that. We've talked about some of the pros. We know TypeScript is amazing, but what could possibly be a potential drawback to the ship? Like what could be a negative towards doing something like this? TypeScript, now this is going to sound really interesting, but TypeScript isn't always going to solve all of your problems, right? A lot of the problems that you have within like code bases aren't inherently TypeScript problem or isn't inherently problems that TypeScript can always solve. So for example, right, where, what is the organization of like your code? Like what is, how does it scale, right? Certain things like that. Uh, for a lot of individuals are like, oh, cool. We're going to, you know, we're going to migrate this entire code base from JavaScript to TypeScript. But if you have like bad implementation, right, it's just really going to make that you're just pretty much shifting over bad implementation from JavaScript over to TypeScript and that's persisting in a more verbose matter, right? And that now that bad implementation is now, um, I guess um, it's heavily, it's now implemented with types, right? So again, like um, in terms of, uh, yeah, in terms of like, uh, like TypeScript or, or, or whatnot, like the, you know, the benefits or, you know, of migrating, there are a lot of benefits, right? But I think that migrating, there are things that need to get done in my opinion, right? Um, something that I've, I've seen in my experience, and even like our engineers, that I've, the amazing engineers I've been working with at my company, you know, we've been seeing like, right, hey, you know, instead of us, you know, migrating to TypeScript immediately right now, let's address these concerns and these issues that we have first, right? Um, and implement some best practices before we go ahead and try to, you know, fully do a full migration uh, of our code base into TypeScript. So, yeah. Awesome. Uh, were there any specific pain points you were trying to address with TypeScript? And uh, I guess a second part to that, were there any unexpected challenges or roadblocks that you ran into with the implementation of TypeScript? Um, everyone has varying knowledge. Well, everyone has really good knowledge of JavaScript. Everyone has varied knowledge of TypeScript, right? And also how to properly implement types, right? I think that right there uh, is... A, you know, just challenges, uh, you know, just areas, just, you know, in general, right? You, you know, just you experience in a lot of different organizations, right? You you have varied people of experience with a certain technology and being able to uh, establish a foundation that allows everyone to thrive and also be okay with that change because they're definitely in, in situations have been pushback around like, oh, we, you know, we don't really want to, JavaScript's perfectly fine. You know, we want to be able to implement like, you know, let, let's hold off or let's not implement TypeScript, right? Um, and the concerns were valid, right? Um, uh, but yeah, as I said, um, I think that in my opinion is the, is how we go about implementing, um, you know, types and also the very knowledge around TypeScript and making sure everyone can be effective contributors, uh, not only to the migration, but also to the code base moving forward. You want to know what's a challenge or roadblock for me with TypeScript? Generics, dog. Generics. Oh, my God. Generics. Yes, <laughs> generics. I'm telling you. Oh, that right there. I was like, oh, man. Like, wow. Like, there, and there's, like, even more, like, advanced generics, like, patterns, too. And um, I'm like, I have, like, I have, like, a couple books. And I'm like, you know, I had a couple books taking a course and everything. I'm like, okay, there's a lot more to TypeScript than what I realized, right? Um, <laughs> I love, get, so, yes, love getting generics, into it. Yes. Do you read library code at all? I mean, some of the... Some of the library code utilizes generics, and I'm just like, oh, this isn't TypeScript. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, a couple of libraries were like, I, you know, I've dove, I've just a few libraries I've like dove into, 
and uh, like read that code was actually, well, when I was at like, again, Microsoft, right, uh, ended up doing a sort of going to take a shift here, right? Um, you know, when I first joined, uh, I was like, hey, why don't I try to upgrade uh, like this, this library we're using called Fastify from 215 to like three. Now keep in mind, the entire type um, system was rebuilt from the ground up from Fastify 215, right, which is all JavaScript and all the way to Fastify three. And so I was like di digging in reading a lot of like that library code and um yeah sometimes i'm like oh my gosh like these are really advanced <laughs> use cases of type that i just simply wasn't yeah. familiar with and i'm like this is amazing but i was like wow my typescript knowledge was definitely lacking so um yeah so yeah that, that's the one thing that i find myself sometimes with typescript even with our current company now i feel like we're probably using maybe 10 percent or 20 percent of the capabilities of what typescript could be but then when mm -hmm. i start looking at more advanced use cases I, I find myself in a situation where i'm like do we start upgrading the level of complexity to what we're using with TypeScript? And mm -hmm. then by doing so, do we create an additional hurdle for newer team members that may be joining the team that mm -hmm. may not necessarily be familiar with this? So now it's like, what do you do? How do you choose, hey, we're going to make this way more complex and harder to figure out, or mm -hmm. but we're going to get the trade-off of having way more safer code and a lot of more mm -hmm. benefits and tools that we can utilize? Or mm -hmm. do we keep it easy for new devs that join the team that can contribute mm -hmm. and is the benefit really there yeah. by using it like does it outweigh everything that you're sacrificing in that regard i kind of mm -hmm. i kind of find myself in that limbo all the time yeah no i i definitely hear you right um you know my my biggest thing when it came to stuff like that right is i always question like you know does this uh it doesn't have to be component but this like is this piece of logic you know does it actually have to be this complicated right can i break this down into a more composable pattern, right? To make it easier for people to read, because at the end of the day, you know, no matter whether it's JavaScript or even TypeScript, right? At the end of the day, when I'm writing TypeScript code, I'm writing TypeScript code for other developers, not only just for myself, but also other developers. How can I make sure and what are ways that I can do to make this as easy as possible, right? How can I break down this really complex piece of logic and simplify that for someone else to read? I mean, honestly, this could be like the Java devs part of me, but I'm mm -hmm. very big on like, detailed function names, variable names. I'm not a, the biggest fan of people utilizing like throwaway names. I don't know why mm -hmm. people do that. Yeah, I'm not like, a fan of that, yeah. That was one pain point that I had with like Go where, you know, sometimes you'd utilize situations where it's like, <laughs> sometimes you got a variable X. <laughs> it's like, okay, what does X do? Like, X do, yeah. Like this. Uh, and, and I really dislike that pattern. Like mm -hmm. I like being able to read and instantly knowing this is what it's doing. This is, I don't need the extra mm -hmm. comments or documentation if it's mm -hmm. a well-named variable or function. And Correct. so I'm I'm very big on the focus should always be readable code over something random and cool that you saw in like a viral tweet or a viral blog post. Yeah, I feel like that readable because in six months from now you're gonna forget that tweet, but when that bug shows up, because it's not an if, <laughs> mm -hmm. it's a when. It's a win. always a win. Always a win. Are you gonna yep. be able to remember that thing that you created? And so yep. readable code has always been my focus, and yep. I, that's also the reason why I think I've become a fan of TypeScript, even though. Mm -hmm. In the beginning, I was like, do I really need it? Is it really the big deal? Same, same, you know? Yeah, same. same here. Yeah, I thought that too. Yeah, you're right. But until I was able to co what, command left click and like able to go through like the actual type definitions, I'm like, okay, wonderful. This is what I'm supposed to be passing in. Or, oh, this is actually isn't taking a date time string. It's take it's not taking a, you know, a, a string of like a, of like an of ISO, right? It's actually taking a date time object, right? And like being able to see that, right? And being able to interact with that. Um, and so I think that like has, in my opinion, made it again, substantially easier for me to be able to just navigate that code base and just 
implement on like functionality and yeah, but no, just to, just to sort of add on to that. But yeah, no. Yeah. Um, so what are some of the best practices you're planning on using and having your team use in this, in this changeover? Um, well, I'd say, you know, it's more of like a collective, right? It's definitely like a team effort, right? Of like all of us, we have like RFCs and everything, but in terms of like the migration process, right? Um, things that we've been doing, right? Uh, again, this code base that we have a, a lot of, a lot of really great things have been contributed to it. Now we're wanting to harness more wonderful capabilities. That's not even just TypeScript related, right? Again, the migration from JavaScript to TypeScript is great, but there's other things that need to be addressed. And so we're looking to, again, utilize hooks more, right? So the utilization of hooks, of React hooks has been very um, helpful, right? Um, you know, let's improve our things like, could be also uh, like, what does caching strategies look like, right? What does state management actually look like uh, along those lines, right? And again, benefits of also using React hooks. Uh, I think also we're eventually looking at like React query and, and stuff like that. And so- I'm a big um, fan of React query. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Tan stack. But yeah, was it, was it tan stack? Tan, tan stack, stack, yeah. Tan stack, but yep. It, yeah, but, we, we're yeah. using it at work and it's become such like a game changer in state management, uh, especially when we're, because Tanner, he kind of gave- uh, a great example of this when I spoke to him about this, he said, the way that I look at state now isn't just state by itself, but it's client side state versus service side state. And that was like, that's, that's, you know, he basically said something that I've been thinking, but didn't have the words for. And it just <laughs> yeah. kind of changed my whole approach on a lot of things. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I'm even, you know, this podcast will probably come out after render ATL, but I'm giving an entire talk at render ATL on uh, React query because oh, really? I, I feel like it's become such a, a big tool in what I'm doing. Um, I can't recommend it enough. Yeah, I use it every day and we're using it across micro front ends. And it's amazing that I can trigger loading in different micro front ends by changing the query key. And it's it's amazing. Mm -hmm. And it continues to impress me. Every I feel like I learned some new little thing. I'll think, mm -hmm. well, what I want this on mutation to have an unsettled. Lo and behold, in the documentation, the mutation has an unsettled function. And I'm like, man, mm -hmm. these guys have thought of everything. Yep. And not they only Tanner, with... big shout out to TK too. TK mm -hmm. Dodo. Yeah, TK Dodo. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Legend. Yep. Legend status. <laughs> uh, they just yep. released the version 5 docs, and I was just going through them oh, literally really? this morning. Uh, they've simplified a lot more um, items. They've made it mm -hmm. way more easier to use. I, mm -hmm. I truly feel like Tanner was, how can I make the most amount of functionality happen with the least mm -hmm. amount of code humanly possible? And I feel like that's <laughs> yeah. exactly what they do. That's amazing. Yeah, that, that's really amazing. They're not sponsoring this, by the way, but Tanner, <laughs> give me a check. <laughs> it's good to get up sponsors link, you know, or, or something like that. Yeah, just go ahead and click the, click the link. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah no. But you're right. Like, again, like a lot of this, like when it comes to migrating JavaScript to TypeScript, you, you see all the benefits, but you, you don't want to migrate your technical debt along with it. You want to mitigate that as much as possible before the migration. So, again, like utilizing a lot of those, like, you know, utilizing a lot of the amazing libraries that we have out there. I think we yeah. So like from yum versus, you know, understanding the difference between like yum versus Zod. Right. And should we use Zod? Right. Um, so things like that. Right. And just being able to um, yeah, just. Yeah, so I think there's a lot to it, right? And I think it's really interesting as we, again, as I as I keep saying, like, yes, JavaScript, migrating it to TypeScript, but the in-between is the most, again, like the very interesting part. Because I'm like, wow, it's not as just easy saying, all right, let me just go ahead and create this new component and let me just migrate all this code, create a, you know, a, a .tsx file, right? And let me just go ahead and just, just take all this and just let me add some types to everything. It's like, wait, no. Oh, hey, I see some really interesting, uh, 
like things we can simplify this piece right here right um that oh let's migrate this right here this this uh graph you know you know uh graph oh my gosh graph ql oh my gosh i almost forgot graph ql for a whole moment yeah <laughs> you know let's let's try to migrate this right and let's let's turn this let's use let's encapsulate this inside like a, a react hook right let's try to let's you know let's standardize let's put this inside like more like shared components like oh this is cool right what does our component library look like as well too right you know so there's again unfortunately there are a lot of moving parts but being able to consolidate and sort of within the process again refactor and try to migrate those best practices um, like into like the newer components is something that we've uh, definitely a lot of amazing teammates have been including, you know, myself, but also a lot of other amazing teammates have really been like putting the time into. So it's been, it's been cool. It's been, yeah, been fun. You know, you mentioned technical debt and this is something that I'm constantly thinking about always. Yeah. And especially through a migration, you're saying, how do I make sure that we're not migrating the technical debt, but also not creating a ton of extra work. And it mm -hmm. kind of made me think about something. How does this migration affect other things outside of just the code base itself, like documentation, existing docs? Like how much of that is yeah. going to have to be rewritten? Can you salvage yeah. any of it? Or is this mm -hmm. going to become like a new task as well where we're just recreating all the documentation from scratch again? I think they're like, in my opinion, there's like different lines of different types of documentation. Like tests are a form of documentation, right? And then you do have like your actual like written docs as well too. And you're right, like how do we... How do we just say, oh, from this one component, how do we not have, okay, we may have to update the tests, right? We may have to update that and fix that, but also, oh, now we have to write all of this like verbiage around like this specific component. Like, what does that exactly look like? And you're right. Um, like that is something that <laughs> we've been discussing a whole lot, right? Um, because you don't want to turn something as like, oh, this could be like a two or three day test. Like, how do you, and I think this also comes down to um, like, you know, trade-offs, right? So for, for example, for me, I'd rather have uh, a, a refactored component and, you know, utilizing TypeScript with, you know, you know, leveraging like the technologies and, and sort of the, I should say, leveraging the, um, uh, the practices that we want inside that component and also well-written tests that to reference that, right? That are updated and well-referenced than to have at least, you know, and us then eventually coming back and writing documentation later on. And so, again, you have to figure out trade-offs because if you do all three, if you do all three of these things, it ends up being, well, it's like, cool. The business is like, Hey, you know, this is great, but we also need to deliver, right? We need to make sure that we build a, um, a platform, like to the best of our ability, like, cause you know, we want to make sure that again, you know, spring health, like everyone is able to, uh, like, you know, just be able to navigate the platform. We want to be able to deliver to our customers and provide the best experience possible. And so, unfortunately, when it comes to things like this, you have to figure out trade-offs. So, um, yeah, but forget for me, TypeScript component and well, really well specced out and written, real, well mocked, specced out and like written tests would, I think, speak volumes. Yeah. Something I find myself doing a lot, and I've done a couple conversions. Mm -hmm. um, it's hard for me to not continue pulling that thread of, okay, I'm going to convert this component to TypeScript. That's my task. Mm -hmm. And then that component imports another component that hasn't been converted yet. So now my mind's like, uh, you know what, I'll just do both of these. So I pull that second one in and then that one imports two more components that aren't TypeScript. <laughs> and then I'm like, you know what, I may as well, I'm here. I may as well clean up all four of these components. And yes. before you know it, I've rewritten yep. the router and I'm in the index so file. Much, yep. And mm -hmm. yeah, how do you, how do you time box or how do you margin that and say, okay, I have to stop here? Oh, that's hard. 
um, a method that I remember doing now, this actually wasn't TypeScript related, but I remember doing this uh, when I was at a, a previous company uh, that I was at um, a couple of companies ago. Um, like I actually like did like an Eisenhower box, right? So low and like, you know, low and high impact uh, and like low and high, like I think what priority or whatnot, I, again, I'd have to, I just have to think through this, but like, I would actually do like, oh, what's like, you know, the least amount of effort to refactor this, you know, component, like what, you know, and then also what, you know, can it give me high impact, right? Um, so the least, like the lowest amount of effort, but high impact and then sort of like mapping, I used to actually map out components and then like, you know, in like a, a four quadrant um, sort of graph and then work from one quadrant, then the other quadrant and go up from there. Because you're right, it is easy to get into a dependency array of like refactoring or a dependency, just yeah, just like a tree of just refactoring all of that, right? Oh, I'm going to go from like uh, this modal. Oh, well, this modal uses this card component. This card component, you know, has this button as well. Oh, well, this it also has like this button, right? And it's like, oh, well, now I need to refactor everything, right? Um, we've also realized too, where it's like, hey, you know what? I'll refactor this modal, and okay, well, right now, okay, you know, we kind of don't have the the button itself hasn't been refactored yet, but let's go ahead and just just you know, let's just refactor this modal. And the unfortunate part is that this specific component may not be refactor the TypeScript yet, but we'll get to that, right? Um, and then eventually you, you can go back and, you know, refactor that button. But it's, uh, yeah, that's, uh, again, I kind of, at least for me, right? What I've done in the past is sort of, again, Eisenhowered it. So it's using like an Eisenhower okay. method. So for that. Okay. Um, well, Austin, thank you so much for giving us some insight into what it is that you're doing. It's been amazing having you on this podcast. Thank you, Danny, for having me on. Um, it is a pleasure to be here and pleasure yeah, be able to talk, chat with you all about TypeScript. As I said, it, it's just fun. I think at the end of the day, a lot of the stuff, it's just fun. And I just enjoy, enjoy programming and just love working with people. So, yeah. Uh, don't forget to commit your code. All right. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and now we're with Kyla Gregory. She went from teaching to becoming a software developer. Kyla, thank you so much for being a part of this. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself for everybody at home? Gregory, I'm a front-end developer, and I work for a puzzling company here in Kansas City. I kind of always ask this question. Like, um, Number one, you're semi-early-ish in your career, but not super early. I feel yeah. like you have a lot of experience at this point, especially talking about the way that you kind of grew in this industry. And so I kind of always ask this first question. I love asking this first question because I think um, everybody can kind of relate to it, but what was the first, I don't know what's going on here moment for you. Like when you first started your first job as a software developer, what was like that moment where you're like, I'm totally confused. I'm out of my element. I don't know how this is going to work out for me, but I need to make this work out. Yeah. It took me some time to um, come up with one because there are so many. I'm pretty, I think even today, you know, I'm just like, what is happening? I have no clue. But if I think back to one of my first, you know, what the heck is happening situations, it would be maybe just a week or two into my first job as a developer. I, um, when I was learning how to code on my own, I wasn't working with other developers. We weren't working in parallel, you know, so pushing and pulling and stuff like that. I was always up to date with myself. You know, I didn't have any issues <laughs> with the code, but when I started working at a, you know, a new company, I, I remember I was getting ready to push up some code and I got some sort of error and it was like, you can't, you can't push this up. There's a merge conflict. You can't. And I was like, 
oh my god what is this it's so silly <laughs> to think about now it's it's so uh, very minor you know but at the time it was terrifying it's not I silly i hate merge conflicts i still hate merge conflicts <laughs> i'm a merge conflict queen Ooh. i don't know if i should be proud of that <laughs> but i <laughs> i'm very good at them now um but yeah that was that was terrifying for me and then I you know very quickly learned um, maybe don't work you know on the same line of code that someone else is, or at least keep your branch up to date. You know, it was very very minor, but that was a big deal to me at the time. I I needed someone to help me. It was like, what do I do? What if I break something? What if I destroy the whole you know database somehow? Uh, it was it was terrifying <laughs> for me. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's a pretty common one. Uh, I remember having some some struggles with Git and fear associated with them. Isn't that uh, funny? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now it's it's a um, breeze. But what are some of the new tools and technologies you were introduced to uh, after landing your role? Oh my gosh. I feel like it's been all the things and every day it's still something new. When I joined the company, they had just kind of built out the the bare bones of the site that I'm currently working on. We're using React, Next.js. Um, I think that was about it at the time. Now we're using things like Zoostand, um, use SWR, React testing library, Playwright. Those have been really fun to dive into and, and learn more about. Oh, Storybook. Uh, that's a big one. I, I really like Storybook. I think that is a just convenient way for not only developers to see, you know, what our component library looks like and interact with the components and see what type of arguments, you know, you can supply to them, but um, non-developers can use Storybook too. And um, I, think, I think it's great. I think more people should use it. So this kind of like leads me into something you've mentioned a lot of big technologies. These aren't small things by any shape or form. How does the state that you're in now, because we mentioned state management, how is the state that you're in now in comparison to your idea of what a tech stack should have been before you even enter tech? Like, how does it compare? Like the tools that you may have known or utilized before you landed a role versus now the tools that you've been utilizing in your day to day? I mean, I, I'm just realizing that there's a lot out there. There's, it's never ending. And not only that, but, you know, these packages constantly have updates. So there are always bug fixes and new features. And so there's, there's just always something new. It's opened my mind, you know, there, there's so many things that I can do um, and use. How, can you go into a little bit about how you start to get familiar with a code base? Yes. Yeah. So I'm very fortunate that the team that I joined, they are really amazing developers and they just are excited to learn and excited to help um, my manager or team lead, whatever you want to call him. <laughs> He's just so eager to help and make things as easy as possible when it comes to onboarding. So um, they had a confluence page just with a list of, you know, all onboarding, you know, just everything for, for me to to refer to. And I was like, 
okay, go through this list. Here are links that will take you to this documentation. Here's why we use uh, them. Here's why we use whatever. And so I, that was my first step into, you know, understanding the code base and the team and, and how they function. Um, after that, I just dug into the code, really. I went in there and started viewing all of the utility helpers and read through it, trying to see, you know, what they do, what they return. That was only so helpful, you know, it's much easier once you start actually using them. Um, another great um, thing was Storybook, of course, you know, if if I don't know what a component looks like, you know, I could go to Storybook and view that right there and see, you know, its designs, what it's supposed to look like on different breakpoints. Um, if it meets uh, accessibility criteria, I can um, alter the arguments that are supplied to it and see how it changes. Um, that's super nice. And then last, I think it was last year, um, one of my coworkers found a, um, a Chrome extension called Locator.js. Have you guys heard of that? It's amazing. I have no clue how it works. <laughs> I couldn't tell you, but you, uh, you know, you get this extension and it seems like just out of the box. If I visit a page of my site, I hold the alt button, hover over any component and a little border will show up around the component and it will show the component's name usually. And you can click on it and it will immediately open up the code for that component. Wow. Um, yeah, it's amazing. It's super helpful, um, especially if you're starting somewhere new and you're trying to get familiar with the new code base. Locator.js has been very, very helpful and I still use it. Sometimes we just have so many components. I'm like, which one are you? <laughs> you know, I can just easily click on that and it'll open up the code for me. Yeah, honestly, you know, I just end up using the React developer tools and the Redux tools. So that kind of gives me all that information as well. But it doesn't yeah. redirect, not that I know of at least, it doesn't redirect me directly to that area of the code base. So that's pretty interesting. But I, like, I knew Locator.js worked similarly, but I didn't know about that particular feature. So that's pretty interesting. But what I will yeah. say is like, at least with the React developer tools, I, every junior that I've ever worked with, I always have them install this as well saying, hey, you need to have this because when you're inspecting, oftentimes, especially with juniors, I find them like they're inspecting the element and they're trying to use like the test IDs to find the component. And I'm like, if you well, just the use the React dev tools, yep. you can go ahead and just, you know, locate the exact component that is being loaded here. Definitely a good tip there. But now it kind of it has me asking a question. Like, I, I think uh, you've mentioned all these different tools and ways that you've utilized it. And especially with your background being teaching, like what processes did you find that exist in tech that you may have not even known about because you were in a different field? Like what are certain things that are done in the world of tech that didn't necessarily exist in your teaching world? You know, as a developer, um, we typically have tickets right we have maybe a feature epic or whatever some very big goal in mind and we break these down these you know tiny jobs instead of trying to tackle it all at once we break it out into pieces everybody gets a ticket and we tackle it piece by piece and when we're all done we now have our you know our new feature or whatever and there weren't any 
small goals that we had set out, you know, for each teacher, you know, so that we could all accomplish one big goal. Um, and I feel like I, I should utilize that more often with everything in life. You know, they say, set small goals for yourself, you know, and then eventually you'll reach that big goal. And, um, yeah, I think it's, it's been mind boggling for me. I, I need structure in my life. I, I just need it. I, I can't, if I see one giant goal and I just get overwhelmed, I'm like, Oh, what do I do? And having it broken down like that with, you know, detailed information, acceptance criteria, it just makes my life so much easier. I'm a, I'm a big believer in having very scary, almost mountain like goals that you just continue to break down further to where it becomes manageable. Like even this podcast, even though it's something simple as a podcast, it is a mountain of a goal to have consistent episodes where it's three guests on every single one. I was like, that's a r ridiculous idea. That's going to be almost impossible to maintain over the long term. And I was yeah. like, that's scary enough that I really like it. I want to try it out. And so either I fall <laughs> flat on my face and we have a couple good episodes where everyone enjoys themselves or this becomes a thing that I kind of maintain over the long term. I'm definitely hoping for the latter, but a lot of the goals that I've had have been very monumental um, that have totally changed the trajectory of my career or my life. Um, and I definitely see the merit of the structure of a sprint where, hey, for two weeks, we're focused on X, Y, Z, and you keep chipping away at it. And mm -hmm. the one thing that we had a previous guest here, um, Carla Montoya, who actually was an immigrant from Venezuela, who was a teacher in Venezuela and taught in America, taught herself how to code and became a software developer, which was a, an amazing story. But even for her, she said, one of the things that I liked was we had an entire year's lessons plan already planned out. Here, it's like, we know what we're doing for two weeks and then we have to figure out what we're doing after that. Yes, yes, it's so nice. So I'm curious, when, when you decided to make the jump into tech, what was one of, what was a scary thing that you were facing? And then what got you over the hurdle? What really made you decide, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go for this. Working as a teacher was surprisingly fulfilling. I, I love my kids. They're still my kids. I just, I adore them. And it was a lot of fun. Um, it was also very low pay. And, you know, there was, I guess, a bit of a ceiling. And I was just kind of coasting, you know, just kind of coasting along. I had never intended on teaching for the rest of my life, you know, uh, working at a daycare. It was, it was just kind of temporary. And but even then, I didn't know where I wanted to go from there. I had at one point pursued um, personal training, which was awesome. I love working out. It's super fun. I loved, loved helping people that way. Um, but once again, um, it took a while to build clientele and I wasn't making enough money to make ends meet. And so anyway, I just wanted to try something, something new. My husband's actually uh, self-taught. And he, you know, he was able to teach himself and, and get himself a, a, a great paying job. And every day he's learning something new. And so I was like, you know what? This is completely out of ordinary. This is not like me at all. I'm just, <laughs> I never have been a technical person. Um, so this is just 
you wouldn't expect me to to pursue this but i was like you know what i'm going to i'm just gonna give it a shot i'm intrigued i want to see what i'm capable of you know and and pursue this you know area that i i'm terrified of frankly um but i i joined um twitter and that's actually where i found danny and so many other people um and everybody was so helpful and kind and welcoming and there were just tons of knowledgeable developers and it was inspiring to me and so i don't know if there was any you know defining moment or or that i was even terrified because i was more excited than anything i was just like i'll give it a shot if i you know really suck at this then that's okay. I, I tried. I gave it my best. You know, it's, it's all I can do. And it, it has worked out. That's an inspiring story. <laughs> Thank you. That's an inspiring story. So far, so good. Hey. <laughs> I, like I always say, I haven't gotten fired yet. So I'm taking that as a good sign. Taking it yeah. as a good sign. <laughs> so it kind of, you know, now I'm very curious. Can you talk about like a particular technical problem you've solved in the past and how you went about approaching it? Yeah, actually, um, <laughs> every day, <laughs> it's always something, but yeah, there, there is a specific situation I can think of. And that was we, so on our site, you can play games and you can also favorite games. You can favorite them and then go to your favorites page where it will display a list of your favorite games. Um, what we realized very quickly was when a user would click to favorite a game and then go to see their list of favorites, it wasn't updating fast enough. It was just a little too slow and we needed to figure out a way to make it, you know, show faster. And because we use, um, use SWR, we were able to use the optimistic data option and basically supply some kind of uh, fake information, if you will, you know, some fake data to replace the data that we were currently displaying um, until we would receive the information from the, the service, until it was updated. I don't know if that makes sense to explain that, but, but yeah, um, that, that, that was something that I had worked on and it worked like a charm. You know, now when a user clicks to favorite an, uh, an item, they can go to the favorites page and they will see the list of all of their their favorite games right there. And um, once that's updated on the service, we'll get that data back and it will replace the optimistic data. That's yeah. awesome. That's, that's really cool. Um, could you tell me something that you wish you knew, something that you know now that you wish you knew before you started your first tech job? I mean, I, I don't, this is probably very specific to me, but um, I would say take notes um, immediately, like right when you first start, because I can't tell you how many times, and I, I, I went in knowing that I was going to be asking my teammates the same questions over and over again, and I really didn't want to have to do that. <laughs> you know, they're very kind and happy to answer my questions, you know, um, but it's much easier, I think, to when you ask them a question, you know, how do I solve this? Or, you know, 
what do I run again? And and they, you know, tell you what that is. Write that down somewhere so you have something to refer to. Um, and I still do that. I have far too many notes, actually, <laughs> because of it. But it's nice, you know. I have uh, I have all my notes right there. I'm super big on taking notes, as you can see. I always keep a notebook and pen on my desk at all times yes. um, because of that. I like to jot things down, especially if we're in an active discussion and we mention certain things. I like to write it down so I could research it later or see how I can implement it or do something. And I, I constantly take notes to where if I said somebody said something in the meeting, they're like, well, Danny probably wrote it down. So it's probably true. Like, <laughs> you know, so I don't get too many combatants anymore in that regard. But uh you know, I love asking this question. I haven't asked it in a while, and I really want to ask it now because I think this discussion really kind of gravitates towards it. But what was your mama, I made it moment? What was that moment where you were like, mama, I made it. I'm doing exactly what I want to do. I'm working on my terms, and I'm in the industry that I want to be in. Oh, my gosh. That's, that's it. I mean, I the paycheck was great. <laughs> we'll say that that was a big one you know like look what i've done I, I did this my first commit was awesome and um oh my gosh just when i first got hired all of uh, all of us um developers we went out to like a little bar slash arcade and i was super new there were a bunch of people that i hadn't met yet and we all stood outside and we were just chatting and i was so excited and i was thinking I'm surrounded by all these developers right now. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm here. Like I was just flabbergasted. I couldn't believe it. I was so happy. And that was yeah, that was that was definitely a moment that I won't forget. Yeah, I still remember the excitement of like my first code review that went well and I'm like, I can actually do this and I've got proof now. Like Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Kyla Gregory, thank you so much for being a part of this. You were an absolute pleasure. You gave some great advice. I know there'll be a ton of people tuning in for this one. Um, is there any last comments you want to make? Anything you want to plug? I just want to thank you for having me on here, Danny. You've been insanely helpful from the very beginning. I remember looking for a job. I was applying and getting a lot of rejections. And I made a post on Twitter. You know, why is why is no one hiring me? What's going on here? And Danny, you responded so many people did, but you said, do you have a LinkedIn? The answer was no. Do you have, you know, any projects on GitHub that you can show other people? The answer was no. I was like, okay, I've got some work to do here. Um, so you've just, you've been so kind and helpful from the very, very beginning. So I just want to thank you for having me on here. And um, hopefully I've inspired some newer developers. I been doing this for almost two years and I feel just as fresh as when I first started <laughs> but it's it's been fun Casey here in Kansas City if you oh, guys nice. have heard of that so if yeah. anyone attends I won't be speaking so you'll have to just search for me <laughs> probably standing by a, you know hot dog stand or something <laughs> but yeah come on by no thank you so much for the kind words I recorded all that just in case you weren't aware, but it's definitely going on something, but, uh, no, uh, honestly, that's the reason why I do this with the ultimate hope that if I've been able to help somebody in some way, shape or form that they continue being positive for other people. And the fact that you even said that showcases that why 
others in higher positions should be focused on helping juniors. So if you are a senior developer, I ask you, you know, give back in whatever way that you can. You'll be so shocked where that junior developer ends up landing in two years. And the fact that somebody was positive to them could be the exact reason why they end up being positive to someone before them. So uh, that's the whole reason why I do all of this, that I'm a very firm believer that positive impact creates more positive impact. And this is literally a real-time testament um, to that. I didn't know she was going to say that. So um, I'll send the check in the mail, you know, just to make sure. <laughs> no, no, no. But sincerely, uh, I'm, I'm so grateful that you're in this industry. And I truly believe that this industry is now better with you in it. So um, thank you for doing this. Don't forget to commit your code. And as always, I will see you on the next one. Goodbye, everybody.